you just put out your brand new book. I actually have a copy of it right here, When Church Stops Working. It's a great name for a book. Did you were you inspired by the title of our podcast? <laughs> I was. It was it's yeah. Yeah, I I, I really was. Um <laughs> No, it's it's a it's a great book, and and thanks honestly though, thanks for sending it to me. I I got a little surprise in the mail this week, so I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, no but problem. I read it last night, and uh, you read one, it last the night. One thing that, re- yeah, holy I did. cow, and a little bit this morning too. I finished it this morning, but the one thing I was really interested in, I was kind of chuckling to myself. So our church council, uh, I took over as lead pastor here. Um, about a year and a half ago, and when I took over, one of the first things that we did uh, in my regime is we worked really hard on a mission statement, and then, of course, you have a chapter where you're just putting mission statements on blast, and I was just kind of chuckling to myself, and I was wondering if maybe we could get into that a little bit, just in case there's someone out there right now that's a pastor or a church leader, and they're really wrestling with what they're going to put in their mission statement. Maybe, Maybe you can talk them off the ledge a little bit. Uh, yeah, let's do so, it. So, Andy, what are what are your unfiltered thoughts on church mission statements? <laughs> it, it, it's funny because I almost never, I mean never, ever look at reviews because, well, basically just because uh, my psychological constitution can't handle it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just don't have time for it. Um, but the funny thing is, is that a baker will send along a, a like links of reviews uh just so you know your you know your book is getting out there and i just clicked one i mean this is day one those who are listening to this will listen to this you know a week or so or two weeks or three weeks after the book is and released. are these like curated thoughtful reviews or are these well, just like random I mean, people on your amazon page in, in this day and age n- no i mean yes and no i mean i i think the ones they send me are not just like Someone on Amazon name, you know, Joe Joe Yankee Lover at you know two two nine five pickleball forty two right. Yeah. This person just said that your book sucks. They don't they don't send those along or you know, uh, Twinkle Star forty five thinks it's awesome. But you know, like they're somewhat people's blogs or reviews or some denominational site where somebody's reviewed it. Anyhow, long story longer is just that. Uh, I just click this thing and I never really look at it, but someone was the the last paragraph was like, yeah, they, they end the book talking about um, watchwords instead of mission statements. And I got to tell you, I was really confused because I'm not sure what the difference was, but I think what I, it, the difference is, is that a, a mission statement is what the church does and a watchword is waiting, looking for God or something like that. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's kind of right where it's at. So, you know, in this book, the, the, the title of it, when the church stopped stops working is supposed to be you know a dual meaning kind of thing you know like everyone's going to read it as the church is not working very well right now it needs to be revamped in some way and what we really ultimately mean i think that's true we, you know blair and i hold on to that and believe that but i think at another level what we really believe is that there's this deep temptation against the declines of of uh or against the narratives of decline to think that the church has to do more that the church has to work harder and this is you know just a kind of neoliberal assertion that you know if you're up against the wall whether you know you get diagnosed with cancer or your business is failing or you're not sure who you are anymore you just work harder and as long as you work harder and stay in the game you'll you'll discover it and we think that this could be potentially a theological problem and even a violation if 
we can say that strong enough of the you know Protestant Reformation in the sense that you know it isn't in what we what we do or how we work. Um, so this is the kind of practical working out of that is that every organization. Not even just ones in the church have a mission statement, which is really you know why you exist, what's your mission, what are you reaching for um, as an organization, as a church, and again you know we're 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 trying to to shake the reader a little bit, so it's I think I think you should have a mission statement, you know Derek, I think your church should have a mission statement, but we're not so sure that the mission statement is the most formative reality, and that we think that there's also this deep sense of having a watchword that's even more important. You know, a mission statement is about the organization, and to kind of highlight what what I was talking about in the book, Churches in the Crisis of the Client, is that there is this deep temptation for the church to be the star of its own story. And a mission statement really is that. Like, your company needs to know why it exists. It needs to know what story it's writing and what story it's a star of. But that is a potential theological problem. And a watchword says something very different, which it says that what our community rests on is not what we do and how we can reach the world. Um, it is how God reaches the world and how we're watching for the way God is calling us into that. So watchword has, you know, it goes back in a lot of different theological traditions and even just like language use. You'll sometimes read folks writing in the 19th century or writing the early part of the 20th century. They'll, they'll use watchword. It was just kind of part of language that we don't have anymore. But really, uh, like profoundly theologically, it goes back to the Moravians and the Moravians, um, who are this kind of pietist group that were they're they're still around and, and um, have these beautiful practices, but were really had this really significant publication at the beginning of the 20th century that uh, would kind of have this this little reading about a watchword, um, which was kind of watching for God through Scripture out in the world, um, and we're just wondering if this watchword doesn't help. If it isn't in many ways a shorthand for the narratives and stories that um, of God's presence and God's activity within within the community, so I just think you know maybe churches would be better off thinking first and foremost we need to um, find our watchword, we need to renew our watchword after years, as opposed to um, you know looking for a mission statement. When you've gone out and and done a lot of speaking and met with churches uh, and, and and things like that, how how is this approach like been met by people out on the road? Because I mean, when you do a, an event, when when you travel and stuff, I mean, you're talking to people who are actively working in churches and congregation members and lay leaders and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So like 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 how how is this? Because I just feel like this. Your guys' approach is just so different to what every ounce of your body as a church worker wants to do. Like, how how is this actually met by people like out on the road? Like, like, what what's that experience been like? Yeah, I mean that's that's a good question. I I think that um, I don't know. I mean, I I think people, I think there's liberation in this. Like, there's the ability to to take a breath and realize that. Um, well, I mean, it depends on where you're at, probably, in the journey. Like, I think you probably would find our stuff, and I think some people do find it quite annoying when you're trying to, like, you think you can win. You know what I mean? Like, if if you somehow delusionally or, I guess, realistically are on, like, the five-yard line, and you're going to you're going to put the ball over the, the end, you know, into the over the goal line into the end zone, and you're going to win. And then we're like, eh, you know. 
I don't know if that's a game worth playing. That may be a corrupt game. That might actually destroy your soul. You may be a little frustrated with us. But if you've been feeling like you've been at this for 20, 30 years, and you've been at the 20 and just keep getting pushed back, I don't know if this football analogy is helpful or not, but... um, you know, and you're just exhausted. I think there's, I think there's some freedom in this. I mean, the the reminder that it's God who acts, I think, um, is good news. I think it's difficult news because, like you know, we've said throughout this podcast, like how the imminent frame functions and things like that. But I think it also can be, it can be quite restful in a certain way. Um, you know. So, you know, but I think one of the biggest struggles are people are like, okay, that's cool. You've just, you know, done this kind of intellectual judo on me. And it's not about a mission statement. It's about a watchword. But all right, like, what is that? How do I find that? You know, what, where, where do I go with that? And, and so I think we have some pretty good stories at the end. And the one of, uh, that, that I wrote up that I thought is, you know, really significant comes from this pastor who's just retired, this ELCA pastor who's just retired, uh, who I love dearly, named uh, Mike Wood, who is uh, just a true, a true mystic. And uh, he, you know, he would have never even said before, like, he was looking for a watchword, but he always had one within his church. And so he tells this story about... Being an associate pastor, he just retired as the senior pastor, but had been at that church for so long that he he started um, as the associate pastor, and in his kind of portfolio was the Sunday school. And he said he com- he comes to this church and he like totally knows what to do, you know, like he's the seminary educated young pastor and he knows how this is supposed to happen and there's kind of a trickle down pedagogy at play like he's got the lessons and then he t- he teaches the teachers and then the teachers teach the kids. So it seems to be going very well, except he keeps looking in on the seventh grade class, Sunday school class, and he can never find the class. Like they either are hiding under the table or he finds them in weird places like the boiler room of the church or whatever. And he's just he's kind of annoyed by this. You know, he's just it's kind of annoying that like these these kids are everywhere and they're they seem to be engaged the the people who's running the class are the, the Jurgensons, and they're like in their their 60s or something, you know, and um and the Jurgensons just don't seem to be taking his notes, you know. Um, and so he but he starts to get these stories from people who have been long out of seventh grade. The Jurgensons have been teaching seventh grade Sunday school for like 10 years or something. And so these people keep saying that every every year since they've been in the Jurgensons class in seventh grade, like for 10 years. So imagine that. What are you when you're in seventh grade, like 12, 13? And so like you're 23 years old, you're, you know, just out of college and the Jurgensons call you on your birthday and sing happy birthday to you, you know? And so the, he kept getting, Mike kept getting these stories and of, you know, even kids in ninth, 10th grade are like, ah, Jurgensons class is the best and whatever. So he starts to realize, well, maybe there's something to this like maybe there's something going on and to his credit and if you know him you'll know how how true this is he just he decides he's better to learn from them so he has a conversation with these Jurgensons, and he's like what are you guys doing and uh you know why are you under the table and they don't really have an answer it just felt right and then he's like he starts to listen to them talk and he's like i think you guys are really good Sunday school teachers like I think you might be our best Sunday school teachers I thought you were the worst but I think you're really the best and then they look at him and are like no we're actually we're no good at all like we're not good Sunday school teachers and this kind of I don't know this underselling kind of humility um 
but you know, like they they truly don't think they're good Sunday school teachers. And they say, you know, we we try to follow your lesson plans. We don't. We always just go back to one message, and we only have one mes- message. Um, and that message is nothing can separate you from God. And we just keep telling the seventh graders over and over again, nothing can separate you from from uh, the love of God. Nothing can separate you from God. And then they go on to tell him that the reason that they have this and that they they teach this lesson is they they just can't get away from it, and that they taught their own son this, if you will, watchword, um, and he um, was hearing impaired, and they they taught him this, and it was kind of a way of, of reminding him no matter how um, difficult the world was, no matter how much he got kind of bullied going through school or people didn't understand him, that nothing could separate him from the love of God, um, and they saw him into adulthood, and he had just gotten married, and he had gotten sick and had died just a few years ago. Um, and it became just an utter wound to these people. But it was really out of that wound that they they taught these kids that nothing could separate you from the love of God and had utter veracity because of this experience. And so Mike was just completely moved by it. And he told his pastoral staff, and they started to use this phrase. It started to become their watchword, like nothing can separate you. And Mike, in his utter wisdom, he says, what you have to do as a pastor is you have to listen for people's stories. And you have to often listen to their stories where they're at the cross. Um, But when they say something that sounds like a Bible verse, be aware of that. Like start to be aware of that and, and to hold on to those. And so kind of prayerfully, they decided, like, this is this was their watchword. And, and um, you know, Mrs. Jorgensen had already, like, you know, this is like the 70s or something, had already uh, put it on a banner for the church, you know, to hang in the sanctuary. And, and they started to preach it. They started to teach it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And everyone knew that it has really significant depth because they knew the Jorgensen story. And they knew that the, this was a, this word was a life preserver to them. Like, they were getting through life with this word. It had it had deep integrity. Well, then he says that this woman in their congregation, a young mom, they think she got Lyme disease or something. She got ill and she couldn't shake it. And it it just absolutely became a crisis for her. And she ended up um, just shockingly um, killing herself. And so at the funeral, um, even more so than this watchword became nothing can separate you nothing can separate you from God's love became the watchword and they preached at the at the funeral and it held that community together for like a decade that was their watchword that they looked for God in the world that the reason they existed was to look and be be on watch um for these experiences that they had that nothing could separate us from the love of God. And when they saw experiences like the Jurgensons or the experience like this mother, they came back to this word and it really shaped their community. So a mission statement can shape you, but it really shapes you for what capacities you have as a community, what you can accomplish. But a watchword is really what God is accomplishing in your community, um, what God is doing in your community, where your community is called really... Um, to give up its life for the sake of the gospel, where it's called to enter into death for the sake of life. And so a watchword really has a has a more open sense to the world, where it's really open for the divine reality, where a mission statement really is, uh, it's, it's, it's more based in, in kind of the imminent frame, if you will. And it might be necessary as in, an institutional structure, but it's just fascinating to me that we, almost every Protestant church has a mission statement. And almost every church board thinks like we have to get a good mission statement, but almost no none have a, a watchword. Like these stories of the way God has been present here, the way God has gotten us through. And uh, I think a lot of work could be done with people's 
you know, councils and sessions and boards to think through with this leadership team how God has acted in this community. How have we made sense of it? How, how, what's, what's a, what's a one sentence that encapsulates these six stories or you know these three stories that, that are significant? And how can we then help people look through those stories as a way to continue to seek for God in the world? The other thing that's really challenging about the game of the hustle and the working is to me that hunger is just insatiable. Like you never get to a point where it's enough. And there's that famous story, and this is kind of a cliche, I guess, but I always really enjoy this story. So Lewis and Clark set out and they're trying to find the Pacific Ocean and they basically get to the first set of the Rocky Mountains in Montana. Have you heard this story before? I don't know. I don't think so. So yeah, so so Jefferson hires Lewis and Clark because they want to find, you know, the Northwest Passage to get to the ocean, right? And connect the two sides of the continent. So they go through like flat North Dakota. They're thinking everything's going great. They're they're paddling down the Missouri River. And then they get to the mountains and basically they get to the very first set of the Rocky Mountains just outside of like modern day Billings. And they're like, oh, the ocean's going to be just right on the other side of this. This is easy. So then they do this treacherous journey. They they hike up all these mountains. And then if you've ever been to that part of Montana before where the Rockies are just seemingly infinite, I just love this idea of like Lewis and Clark standing up there thinking that the ocean was on the other side. And then it's just that moment of just like, oh my God, like we had no clue what we were into, you know? And then it takes them three more years to actually get to the ocean. Like, I feel like that's the hustle game in a lot of ways too, is you work and work and work. And then you think you get to the point where, okay, if I just had this much money in the budget, or we just had these many kids in the program, or we just had these many, whatever, insert blank here, you get to that point, and then it's just sort of this empty feeling, because then you realize, oh, like, people still want more, and mm. there's still that desire to have more, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on, and it's just that never having enough. Yeah. The watchword, you know, is is the antithesis of that. Yeah, the watchword really is not about how you're acting, or, you know, to, to, to put this in the language of the day, like, how you're winning, how you're going to win, you know, like, I, I would think, we've been using too many sports analogies here, but, you know, your watchword really is your game plan to win, you know, like, these are the goals you put out that you can accomplish, um, and there is a certain way, man, that, like, as, as a major sports fan, it's amazing to me how kind of sports, uh, I don't know. Just it's more than just analogies, but like the, the sports frameworks and imaginaries become uh, incredibly captivating and framing for all other kind of pursuits of human life. And this has happened within church life for sure. You know what I mean? Like, so your mission statement is is basically your your goals for the year, your or your your you know your long term plan um, as you as you go into things. Um, and it, it really is, it is similar to, you know, like this is, this is the route for us to win. Um, but like the story of the Jurgensons is definitely not that, you know, like this is a story of how to survive, of how the faithfulness of God comes to you when your actions can't save you. You know, that's very different. Um, it is a sense of how God moves to us, not how we, how we win market share, you know? Um, and so it is, it is. Yeah, this is this is where Rose's work is so has been so helpful to me because I sense this as a just someone with a, a house that was a, a fixer upper and small kids like a decade ago. Like I used to call it the 
um, magical $2,000 that every time we had what we needed, I always thought, well, if only we had $2,000 more. You know what I mean? Like, so all the bills are paid. We were able to get the basement finished or, you know, get some repair done on this house that just was, you know, a money pit as we bought into it. But even when everything was kind of taken care of, there was always like, oh, we had two thousand dollars more then we could start like saving towards roof repair or we could just have money in case someone got sick or we you know there it was there was never a time where the magical two thousand dollars wasn't there like where life would really be good you know like things are really good right now praise the lord things are good but if i had another two thousand dollars then things would be really good and then all of a sudden that two thousand dollars comes maybe or doesn't and then you're like well I mean, if there was another two thousand dollars, then things would be really, and it, it would never end. And you, and you, you do start to realize, like, you essentially are always, always, always uh, bankrupt in that kind of mentality because you just never have enough. So when you're always living in the illusions that just another two thousand dollars will make you safer and more stable, and that's kind of Rose's point. It's like we weren't even thinking like, let's get another two thousand dollars and then we can, then we can upgrade our hotel and like really be, be, be living in, in the next vacation. We were just thinking like, let's have $2,000. So if something happens, we don't fall behind, you know? Um, and then the crazy American system, like let's, so if someone gets sick, we're not, we're able to pay these bills, you know? So, um, but that, that gets, that gets implanted in, in church life too, you know, like, how many resources are enough resources? How much relevance is enough relevance? How many members are enough members, you know? And as soon as you get to one number, you're going to have to get to the next number. And uh, it will it will never, never end. And so, yeah, I mean, there's something that's really necessary about a mission statement. But a mission statement is a kind of, uh, it is... It, it, it is, you know, to, to risk being politically incorrect, it's a slave driver. It will demand that you keep moving towards it. And if you do cross the line, you got to, you, you, well, you, you failed in your mission statement then because it wasn't, it wasn't bold enough, you know. Um, at least your, uh, your, your action plans coming out of those were not, were, not, uh, were not realistic enough to really stretch you and reach you. And so in some sense, you only have a really good, you know, action plans out of your mission statement when you just barely get there. But then that means you're going to need to renew it and, and go more and more and more. And so um, a watchword asks you to wait, wait on God, wait with one another, hear one another's stories. Um, very different. When Church Stops Working, featuring Dr. Andy Root, is produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard, with special thanks to our sponsor, Baker Publishing. You can get Andy's brand new book called When Church Stops Working on Amazon or wherever else you get your books. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time for another round of When Church Stops Working.